You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So I'm, I'm feeling the urge to really launch into this, so let me just break in here quickly and get some stuff out of the way. Number one, I didn't get the video up <laughs> anywhere. Sorry about that, coach. I, I j- man, I need Saturday badly. I need Saturday to come. I need some, some hours. Also... Pretty positive I'm going to be paying my daughter to help me with stuff because I just, I just, I, 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 I just gave up yesterday. I'm like, nope, I can't get anything. I'm done. <laughs> it's just, I can't. But the video's coming. If nothing else, a lot of things are about to happen on Saturday. No promises for today. But make sure you do get into the flick chat. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's it's around somewhere. I'll probably post a link. I might forget. I don't know. Ask me. Uh, the video will be up hopefully today. I don't know. You would think it's not that complicated, but it is, because I have to go to work and stuff. I can't do it now, because I've only got 45 minutes to do this podcast. And then when I get home, I'm dad. So, it's my problem. I'll navigate it. I'm just explaining the complications. The biggest complication, however, is that I have a full-time job and can't get stuff done. And if you'd like that problem to go away, there's a simple solution. If everybody listening to the sound of my voice went over to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy and just gave a dollar a month, one buck a month. It's like kind of like a bag of chips a month, you know, like you binge at the checkout, but I'm pretty sure the bag of chips is more than a dollar. So I'm not positive about that. I don't know, but it's roughly in that range. Candy bar, right? I don't, I don't know if I have no, I just assume nothing is a dollar anymore. Like after tax, is it a dollar? I don't know. I don't know these things, but it would mean a huge amount to me um, so many people are already on board, and I really do appreciate that. I wish I could say we were closer than we are, but um, living isn't cheap, you know? And I do cheap living, believe me. Getting a pizza is like a twice-a-year affair. It's like a special deal, but still, you know, life and whatnot. Plus, it's only a dollar. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of those <laughs> to be to be an income. Just throwing it out there. If we can inch a little bit closer today and tomorrow and the next day, you never know. Other great ways to support the podcast. Tell your friends and family. As I've said, there is also ad revenue. The problem is, advertisers aren't super interested, at least the big ones, because I'm not a big enough podcast. And on top of that, you get paid based on how many people listen. If we can go from where we are now to, let's just say, three times that, meaning you tell two of your friends and they start listening, we're in pretty good shape. We're, we're not in bad shape. And, of course, the third way to do it is to just listen more often. I'm not saying just put this thing on loop and, and let's try to scan the system together. Not saying that. However, I know how it is with podcasts. Sometimes you're just not feeling it, right? Or you just forget. So go ahead and hit a little notification for this podcast when it pops up. You don't miss it. If for some reason you're not seeing it on a day-to-day basis, I would implore you to go somewhere else. Apple, in particular, is really, really bad, and 50% of my listeners are coming from Apple. Spotify seems to be solid. I listen to Google Podcasts. I don't think there's ever been a problem with my podcast popping up within five minutes of me posting it. If you're having kind of intermittent issues where, oh, I guess you didn't post the last two days, that's a lie. I did. You just haven't seen it because the player you're listening with is garbage. Just throwing that out there. I haven't done that in a while. And again, I'm, I'm, 
I'm ready to rock and roll, so I want to get that out of the way. Also, the newsletter. Make sure we got another one coming tomorrow. So I'll try to get a link up for that as well. Make sure you get signed up. I mean, the newsletter is uh, its a lot of really good tidbits and insights. Dara, is, uh, he's bringing the pot of gold, if you will. <laughs> oh, I really wish I can get some clarification on whether that's making him mad or not, because I'm really enjoying it, and I would rather not lose his services, because he does very good work. But I can't help myself. Anyways... Got some really big and exciting things coming up. Um, I don't want to announce them. I did last week or two weeks ago, and it fell through, so I felt kind of stupid. But uh, hopefully we got something kind of big this weekend, and then going forward, I'm going to have possibly a a once-a-week guest video show with a special guest. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, but pretty excited about things to come. Anyways, um, today, 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 we were supposed to 100% pivot away from all the trade talk stuff and all that. Um, but it, it just, it not only kept ramping up, but it kind of went in a different direction to the point where I can't, I mean, I can ignore it. I, I'm choosing not to. Now, the plan is get this out of the way, pivot, talk a little bit about the Texans. But based on the fact that it's 423, I'm not feeling super confident about that. But we'll see how it goes. First of all, allow me to brag for a little bit. Um, I On occasion, I get stuff right. Sometimes I get stuff wrong. Sometimes I get stuff right. It happens. I don't know. But I recall, and, and listen, it got it got cleared up pretty fast. Right? It took about one week before it became clear that I was correct on this. So I didn't have to endure all that much. But I took a heck of a beating. Um, I made a YouTube video in which people are just absolutely thrashing me on it in the comment section, which is normal for YouTube. That's a pretty hostile place. I'm, I'm beginning to appreciate it, to be completely honest with you. It's just part of the, uh, the ecosystem there. Just got to roll with it. But I basically came out and said, I, I said two things. Number one, the Vikings defense would likely regress because although I really like their safeties, their linebacker is having his first good year ever. And they lost two critical pieces along the defensive line on top of losing their corners. And then I added in when they went out and got Yannick and everybody said, this is going to be an elite defense at every level. I said, number one, no, it's not. Daniil's a freak. Obviously, we didn't know at the time that he was going to be out for the season, which is also news. I kind of thought that might be the case. It's officially the case now as the Vikings do what the Packers did in 2018 and shut the season down. It's it's a way of uh, sort of tanking without officially tanking, which is a strategy I absolutely respect, by the way. But the point is, Yannick Ngakwe um, just got traded to Baltimore, which I, I, I'm not really mad at either party there. I, I Assuming the Baltimore Ravens know what they're getting in Yannick, which isn't the worst pass rusher in the world, but he's going to a much better environment. He's got a much better support staff, better corners, um, better supporting pass rush, better, much better defensive coordinator. No offense to Zimmer, he's done a great job, but at this point, the guy is just... I mean, maybe if he had some better pieces, he could scheme some stuff up, but his scheme is useless right now. Um, and Baltimore's got some special stuff brewing, so I trust Wink and his... I think it's Wink, right? Yeah, I trust Wink and what he's got going on over there and his ability to not only figure out what they have, but assess what they need and, and understand that uh, Yannick is, is not the guy. And I'm not even necessarily trashing the Vikings as much, although it was a horrific trade, but I, I felt like it was a desperation move for a team that genuinely thought incorrectly they had a shot. They believed that they still had a chance, but they knew, rightly so, as I said, they had zero chance of any success unless they bolstered that defensive line. Um, and so they took a stab with... Yannick, hoping that that would get them enough. They didn't. They would never have done it if if everything wasn't just decimated so badly. They didn't lose all their talent, and Daniil didn't get hurt. 
but obviously they didn't want to quit before the season started, so they made a desperation move. It was stupid, which, by the way, piggybacking off of what I said yesterday about why you don't want to just go out and get all these big-name guys like like fans always want to do and get mad at the GM because why aren't you doing big stuff? That's big stuff. They lost a second-round pick. They got back a third, so they went from a second to a third and lost like $6 million so that they can get Yannick Ngakwe, who's overrated and not very good, to give them five sacks and a bunch of losses. Nothing good came of that. Nothing. So, anyways, haha, I was right. Um, on, on the flip side, Yannick, although I was correct that he's not that good, he's not elite, and he wasn't, he was their best, possibly second best pass rusher, which isn't saying much, but it would be kind of like if we had Preston and Rashawn, let's say, and Rashawn got hurt. And it's like, look, Rashawn maybe isn't elite, but that really sucks that we don't have him because we just got a lot worse. That's that's essentially the situation that the Vikings are in, and I think they're okay with that because they're shutting the season down, essentially. I don't really know if there were options with Daniil, but it, it, it feels like one of those things all at once. They said, all right, look, get the surgery, shut it down, and then they go over to the next room, make a phone call to Baltimore, like, look, it's fine, just go ahead and take him. Because they're, again, they're shutting it down. That doesn't mean they're going to sell off everybody. And no, you don't go to your coach, although Zimmer is high enough. Maybe he kind of gets behind this. But I doubt it because he's probably about to lose his job pretty soon. Although he just got extended, didn't he? Ugh, gross. Anyways, it's not something you... Anyway, when I think of tanking, it's not a matter of going to your coach and saying, look, we're shutting it down. I want you to tell the players to shut it down. And then it's this big conspiracy where the players tank and all that stuff. I don't know that that's ever happened in the history of the world, and I know that it would never happen, especially with social media and everything. Players, I mean, players now, they they go right to social media if anything happens. There is never a situation where a locker room would be told to shut it down, ever. Maybe, 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 maybe you go to a quarterback. If you got like a real veteran guy that you can trust, has a real good relationship with the coach, although you know there's going to be some ESPN special 20 years after he's retired, and hopefully you've retired, in which he's going to do a tell-all thing. But that would be about it. Like, look, dude, you're a great quarterback. We're going to go places, but this team sucks. We got to just kind of shut it down a little bit. Just like throw like, you know, a couple picks here and there. Make sure if we start winning, you know, slow it down. Maybe force feed that really bad wide receiver over there so he doesn't catch it and he gets the blame. But generally, I think tanking is what you see from the Vikings right now, what you saw from the Packers in 2018 when we shipped everybody off talked about that several times like the the one guy threw like a, a slap at another player and the coaches were like nah it's, you know obviously you can't do that but it's not a big deal Gutekunst is like out off the team bye Montgomery gone right they, they knew what they were doing they were preventing the team from doing something stupid and winning any more games that was the goal but anyways we can officially scratch the Vikings off of the list of teams that uh, are a threat if you hadn't done that already that's not entirely to say that we can't lose to them they still have weapons that are that are horrifying it's it's similar to what we've seen with the lions over the years where they're just a putrid team but man they when that offense is clicking it can be scary and they can rack up points and if you start stumbling i mean that's it's still a team that can put up 30 points and if your offense is stumbling you can still lose to the vikings but um it's it's moving in a good direction um i think that's all i had to say about that slightly pivoting off of that i had two people reach out because I had, I had posed a question, and I'm assuming there's an answer that makes sense in terms of name one time we went out and got somebody and then they won a Super Bowl largely because of the contribution of that person. Now, I can think off the top of my head of guys that clearly helped us win a Super Bowl. I mean, number one would be Brett Favre. Number two would be Reggie White. Number three would be Charles Woodson. I don't think it was in the year that we got them, 
but they were contributors. But I had, for some reason, two people reached out and said Andre Risen. And I listen, I was like 10 when we won the Super Bowl, and I was a huge Packer fan. And it sounds weird to say this. I was a huge Packer fan, but never really fully understood everything. Like, I wasn't an NFL fan. I didn't know anything about the other teams. I didn't know the other players unless they were superstars. I didn't know anything about... I, I just, I was, it was like a very casual diehard, I guess you could say, if that makes any sense. So when I had two people say Andre Risen, I thought, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I didn't even bother to look it up. I just thought, all right, got one. Congratulations. It, it still doesn't necessarily refute my point if you got to go back to 1996. But then the second person came out and said Andre Risen, and I said, we won because of Andre Risen? He said, yeah, look up his stats. Thought, all right, I'll take a look at it. In 96, Andre Risen had 135 receiving yards and one touchdown. I don't, I don't know why I had to do that. <laughs> I don't know why I had to be the guy to look that up. Guys that had more receiving yards, Antonio Freeman, Don Beebe, Keith Jackson, uh, Mark Chimura, Robert Brooks, Dorsey Levins, William Henderson, the fullback, Edgar Bennett, the other running back, and Terry Mickens, who I've never heard of before, but apparently was on the team and uh, had 18 receptions for 161 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say we didn't win the Super Bowl in 96 because of Andre Risen. I'm going to say Brett Favre, who was first-team All-Pro. Um, Antonio Freeman probably had a big part of that. Keith Jackson. I would have thought Mark Jamura, but Keith Jackson uh, went to the Pro Bowl that year. Probably had a lot to do with it. Desmond Howard, you could even throw in there. You don't have to because he didn't contribute all that much on uh, offense. But as a special teamer, oh my goodness. Leroy Butler probably. Maybe Reggie White. I don't know if you've heard of that guy. Those are some of the guys I think of when I think, who are the guys that you remove from the team and we don't win a Super Bowl? Favre, Butler, White, Freeman. There might be others. I don't know. I mean, you got the whole butterfly effect thing going on. You know, it could really throw stuff off, but they were pretty dominant through the... <laughs> what was the last time the game was even close in 90? This was the most dominant team ever. I mean, legitimately, I, I, I should highlight this real quick. When I go back and do my... Um, the, the During the playoffs, I, I do the comparisons, like teams that won the Super Bowl, how did they rank offensively, defensively, and quarterback, and all that, and then what, what teams currently compare to past teams, and I do comps, like the, the you know, 2020 Baltimore Ravens compare most closely to the 2001 blah, 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 blahs, the Patriots or whatever. But when I look at the ranks, the 1996 Packers are one of the most dominant, number one in points on offense, number one in points on defense, number five in yards on offense, number one in yards on defense. They were number one in points and yards on defense, number one in points and number five in yards on offense. Just absolutely freakishly dominant. The last game that the Packers, I mean, they they lost to the Cowboys 6-21. to That was in week 12. Not one other game was even close, all the way through the Super Bowl. 24-9, to uh, 28 to 17, 41 to 6, 31 to 3, 38 to 10. Then they go into the playoffs. They face the 49ers, beat them 35 to 14, beat the Panthers 30 to 13, beat the Patriots 35 to 21. This is just the most dominant force in in football history. Absolutely unbelievable. And that kind of leads me to another thought that I had, and, and part of the reason why I want to do sort of a 2.0 with the the trade deadline coming up, which I think is probably why people are going nuts. I was confused, but I think it's just the, the, the trade deadline talk. Let me modify a little bit what I was talking about yesterday. The, the, the biggest reason I was so upset yesterday is because people say a lot of ridiculous stuff. I'm not saying it's never okay to trade for somebody. I think it's it's generally to your disadvantage. 
And I, I think, I shouldn't say that. It can absolutely be massively to your advantage, but I think the value is not really great. If you think about, like, you know, selling your car on Facebook compared to selling it back to a dealer. You go to the dealer, it's going to be pretty easy, right? You drive it in, they're going to make you an offer, you sign on a piece of paper, they cut you a check, they take your car. That's very convenient, it's going to save you a lot of time, but you're going to get ripped off big time. It's the best comparison I can come up with right now. But sometimes the convenience is worth it or whatever. There are situations where I think it makes sense. And and to be completely honest, if we want to go back and look at guys that made an impact, you can look at Ted Thompson bringing in all kinds of guys. And you almost always hated it. On occasion, however, we brought in guys that made a massive difference. And generally, these are blockbuster trades. Now, I understand the offense was horrific, and that was a large part of the reason why we lost. But I genuinely think this is still potentially a historically talented offense. They've got some issues, but I, if, if there was something out there that was really, like, tilted the Earth's axis a bit, you know, like, really shifted things, I don't know that I would hate it. Like, like would you be willing to go all in? We've talked about it. Look, the Packers are special right now, although severely flawed. On top of that, the rest of the NFL just looks like a mess. Tampa Bay is, is right now, according to PFF, the best team in football. I don't think they're that good. They're, they're good, but, I mean, compared to historically, you know, go back to 2019, 18, 17, 16, look at the top five teams. I don't think Tampa cracks the top five of the last five years. They're not a team that scares me. They're just not. They're offense or their defense. They're good enough, but, I mean, last year's version of, I mean, the Chiefs, the Ravens, um, the Saints, I would say the Vikings, but we kind of had their number, but just in a general sense, we're probably a better team. Tennessee, maybe. I'm not saying I'm never against a trade. There are scenarios, um, especially this time of year, while some really bad teams are looking to just dump talent, that possibly you could look at it. And one of the more appealing that a lot of people are coming around to that I want to like, but I'm sort of, I can't really get into it depending on what the cost would be, is J.J. Watt. And of course, the biggest question about J.J. Watt is what version of J.J. Watt are we getting? And unfortunately, part of the reason I think it's very plausible the Texans move on from J.J., is if they if they lose, they know the season's over. Um, but I think they've got some potential. They got a great um, a great quarterback. The wide receivers actually are not that bad. It's not a terrible trio. All three guys are in the top fifty. I think the top two guys are in the top twenty. The the top the number one guy is top ten right now. It's it has not been a bad trio. The offensive line is terrible, but they've started patching that up. Their left tackle obviously is very talented. But the defense is just a nightmare, and, and the, the biggest issue with J.J. is J.J. is not a long-term plan kind of guy. First of all, he's hurt all the time. Since 2016, he's played one full season. He was hurt in 2016 and 2017. He played in 2018, was hurt again in 2019, and then so far this year he's been healthy, but the problem is he's not been that good. He has 21 pressures on 223 attempts. Now, you, you could possibly say, yeah, because the talent has, has gotten so bad in, in Houston. In other words, everybody around him is so absolutely horrible that there's just there's no way for him to, to get away from anybody. In a pass rush sense, they double-team him all the time, maybe. Whereas in the past, you know, the Texans have had really good defenses. For example, if you go back to 2018, the last time they had a, a full season, you had J.J. Watt, who graded out as elite. You also had Jadavian Clowney on the team grading out as elite. Um, DJ Reader along the defensive line, not necessarily a great pass rusher, but a very good defensive lineman. Christian Covington was talented. Uh, Carlos Watkins was, was, you know, he played a little bit, he was fine. Uh, Whitney Merciless wasn't very good at that point in time, but 
you know, you, you get the idea. On top of that, you've got other DBs and everything that are doing a great job holding off guys. Uh, Kayvon Webster, Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, Justin Reed at safety, Tyron Matthew at safety. Just a, it, it was a solid defense, and you can win with that. So I just, I just have a hard time, and I feel like I don't want to be a sucker. You know what I mean? I don't want to get suckered into this beat-up, 32-year-old, kind of washed-up guy. Now, is he an automatic upgrade even at his lesser production value? Yes. His run defense grade right now is a 78. He would be our number one run defender on this team day one. He also adds a, a, a massive dynamic to what we can do on defense because of the the virtue of what he does. This is a 3-4-4-3 a three, four, four, three hybrid defense. We've got guys like Zadarius Smith that line up at outside linebacker, but also our hand-in-the-dirt defensive end in a, when we're lined up in a, in a four-down alignment. Well, J.J. Watt is, is kind of a hybrid, but he's hybrid the other way. He's not a stand-up guy, but he'll be a defensive end in a 4-3, in other words, a, an edge rusher. And then in a 3-4, he goes inside. So when we're in a 3-4, when we got two guys standing up, you got Preston on one side, Zadarius on the other side, Kenny Clark at nose, you'd have J.J. Watt at defensive end, and then, you know, Kingsley Kiki or something there as the third guy. Then when you go hand in the dirt, you could have J.J. and Zadarius on the outside with Kenny Clark and whoever, Tyler Lancaster or something, on the inside. And obviously you can mix and match and rotate throughout. But it gives you that flexibility and it gives you that dynamic and you'd have a situation potentially where you could have Rashawn and Kenny and J.J. and Zadarius. And again, J.J. not only provides a massive boost in pass rush, hopefully, because, he, I mean, he's, he's again, 21 pressures and 223 attempts. Basic math tells me that's less than 10%, which is terrible. But even just last year, even though he was hurt, he had 61 pressures on 392 attempts. So either he hit just an absolute brick wall or the Texans are just complete, completely falling off and, and, you know, maybe he's getting to be older and his body's not quite what it was and he's realizing he's getting close to retirement and his, the mental part of it's falling off. I mean, it, it's possible. I don't know the answer to the question. But... That needs to be taken into consideration. We can't view J.J. Watt as 2018 J.J. Watt because he's not. At least he hasn't been. And if we're going to get J.J. Watt, it has to come with some understanding that maybe what we're getting is a good, not great football player. I know it's hard to separate the name considering J.J. Watt has literally been one of the best pass rushers of all time when you look at his statistics. Literally. He doesn't get all that much credit because of all the injuries, and so the numbers are, are, are down a bit. But, I mean, 2014 J.J. Watt is about as good as it gets. 119 pressures and 21 sacks. He followed that up with 94 pressures and 19 sacks in 2015. And I know you probably find different stats otherwhere, other places. Uh, but again, they don't count half sacks. If you're really impressed with sacks, look at 2012. He had 23 sacks on that season. Ridiculous. But even 2018, he had 17 sacks. The last time he played a full season. In 2019, he played half as many games, 554 total snaps. He still had six sacks on the season, playing a half a year. So it really, I mean, it would just come down to what is the cost. I mean, if, if the Texans are, are looking for supreme value and they want like a first-round pick, never. Never. Well, what are you going to do with that first-round pick anyways? They're just going to waste it. You know what wasting it is? Giving it up for one year of J.J. Watt, who doesn't do that much. You still don't win the Super Bowl, and then you don't have a first-round pick to build on. That's wasting. And I don't think the Packers are in a position to pay him long-term, so it would have to be a one-year deal. And that has to get factored into what we give up to the Texans as far as compensation. What long-term future benefit are you willing to give up to get a guy for one year? That's the complication I have with J.J. Watt. You're going to give up a second-round pick for one year of, of broke-down J.J. Watt, who probably is not going to finish the season, by the way? 
He's just a ticking time bomb waiting to be injured for the rest of the year. I, I just, I want to love this, and I want this to be the thing, and I, I want desperately to say, yes, we should bring in J.J. Watt. It just, it seems like such a terrible decision. It could go really, really right if he stays healthy and he comes in. I mean, he could absolutely change the game. But that's the, that's the dreaming scenario. That's not the realistic scenario. Realistically, J.J. Watt has been hurt four out of the last five seasons. I shouldn't say that. Uh, three out of the last four. This season is just starting, and as far as I know, he's healthy. He hasn't played a full season four out of the last five, but we don't know if he's going to finish this season. That's kind of cheating. And really, since, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. Maybe he was healthy. He just didn't play as much. But it's been bad. It's been really, really bad. But there are other scenarios, um, and I haven't really done a deep dive into it. I really should. It, maybe for tomorrow would be a good idea. That's what I do the rest of today. But I saw um, other teams are looking to sell out. I mean, basically teams before the deadline that are um, looking, that are realizing the season is more or less over, or just you know feel like they can get good benefit from somebody that they would rather just have the the, the pick than not. Like the Eagles apparently are looking to sell off a bunch of players. I wouldn't be entirely opposed to that. I, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm anti-wide receiver in terms of let's do something stupid and desperate because we need a wide receiver that badly. But I'm not saying I'm, I'm 100% against every wide receiver for every reason. You have to sell me on it. It has to actually be a good decision, not just WR comes after his name. Not just he was good, so good in 2014. What are you, stupid? You don't remember? Not just he runs a 4-2-2. What are you, stupid? There has to be an actual selling point. And again, I'd rather, I'd rather go big. Which sounds counterintuitive considering I'm so anti-trade, but if we're going to do it, let's do it big. Because I want to move the needle. I don't want to give up draft capital and hurt our salary cap for somebody that doesn't move the needle. And we've done that so many times. So many times we go out and get people and say, what is he going to do? That doesn't help us at all. And granted, a lot of these are free agents and not trade, but same, same exact scenario, same philosophy. The only difference is we have to give up more compensation in the draft. And there's a contract attached to it. So, th- I mean, there's more complexity, but the, the, the thought process behind it is, is exactly the same. If we're going to do it, let's find someone that's going to move the needle. Let's find something that's actually going to fix a problem. Somebody that's going to help with pass rush. Somebody that's going to help stop the run. Somebody that's going to help electrify the offense. Something, something, something. And I'm not just looking for good value, which I understand as a GM, you're always looking for value. And if you can get good value, fine. But I'm just, I don't care so much about that wide receiver that's not going to do anything that we get for a seventh round pick that, you know, I mean, who cares about a seventh round pick and he's slightly better than the wide receivers we have, so why not? I don't know, because it's stupid, that's why. Because people get excited and I have to tell everybody why it's not going to make a difference. So that's sort of my my general thought behind all that. I like the J.J. Watt thought, the thought behind J.J. Watt, I just don't think, you know, if, if this was 2018, yeah, let's do it. Let's, sure, first round pick, I let's just do it, man. Right now, no. Because J.J. Watt has not been good this year. Now, you know, things have changed in, 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 in Texas. Houston is what I was trying to think of. Hey, they're the Texans. They represent Texas. It's not really how that works. But anyways, again, and this is where the pro personnel come in and look at this, but, but one of the biggest things you'll notice about the Texans that apparently we'll be talking about tomorrow and not today is how much better they've gotten recently. And if you look at J.J. Watt, he's actually been pretty solid the last three out of the last four weeks. It was the first two weeks that he got off to a really slow start. Now, really, it's only as far as his pressure percentage, he's only had one good game, and that was against Jacksonville. He had nine pressures on 55 attempts, and everything else is below 10%, which is not good. But as far as overall grades go, PFF liked him four out of the last, or three out of the last four weeks. Again, I, I, I don't know. I'm not the guy. Maybe that's a Coach Hahn question if he wants to do another video. Um, could J.J. Watt be the guy? Does he still have it? Or is this not the same J.J. Watt, and, and you need to take that into advisement? Because I don't think, 
the thing about teams is as much as we try to think that they're super smart and responsible and fans are all crazy, no, teams are just as stupid as, as the craziest fans out there. Teams will pay J.J. Watt top dollar to come over because he's J.J. Watt. I don't think the Packers are going to be able to talk to the Texans and say, look, he's clearly not the same guy. We want him. I'll give you like a fourth-round pick and we'll take his contract. Texans are going to just laugh at us and be like, no, dude, that's stupid. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. And would I be willing to do a fourth? Yeah, I guess. I know people are losing it right now. But again, I just I just worry that we're not going to get anything and he's going to be hurt in three weeks and it's just going to blow up in our faces. And we're not getting him next year. This is a one-year proposition. Anyways, we got to quickly take a break. Got one other thing I wanted to bring up and then we got to get going. Folks, let me remind you really quickly about ironjock.com a Wisconsin-based clothing company that has just launched their e-commerce platform. It's actually kind of interesting because I'm starting to see them pop up everywhere. I see that Ron Dane is now a... Uh, I see him online sporting Iron Jock gear. Um, I've seen other Packers people that I've, I've never really seen before. I'm flipping through and I'm like, there's, uh, you know, there's a girl that's got like a Packers thing sporting some Iron Jock gear. And I'm like, what up? It's kind of like one of those cheesy things where you see somebody driving the same car as you and you kind of look at them like, hey, hey, what's up? And they look at you like, what? It's like, nah, I, I don't know. I thought we went to school together. I'm, I'm not sure. I wasn't even looking at you. I was looking at the guy over there. Don't worry about me. Worry about yourself, loser. Jeez. But anyways, they got polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, socks, underwears, tongue twisters, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. All their material is made with their proprietary Enduratec fabric, which is wicking and fast-drying, breathable anti-static, and eliminates odor. How does it do that? Because it's infused with silver ion, which gets released when it gets wet when you sweat into it. And then it just destroys it with the silver ion because it gets released into the, the, the whatevers. Just uh, obliterates it, annihilates it. The fungus, all that stuff that stinks, dead, killed. Can't stink when it's dead, right? That doesn't seem right, but it, it is. It's science. I don't know. I'm not smart. If you go out and get their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jackets, you've got Enduratec Plus fabric, which, as you can tell by the plus, means it's better. It's also water repellent. The things that I'm giving away, by the way, the hoodies, they have Enduratec Plus, meaning water repellent. So if you're not content to sit around and wait for me to ship out your Iron Jock hoodies for six months, because I'm slow with everything, and I am doing that tomorrow for sure, head over to ironjock.com, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. Follow them on Twitter. Check them out on Twitter at Ironjock. But that's not all. There's more at mybookie.ag. If you're looking for a little bit of extra fun, that's how you say extra and cool guy, during the games, maybe you like some other sports. I don't know. I'm not into it, but maybe you are. You can go over to mybookie.ag. They've got live betting. they got prop bets. they got parlays. they got all that cool stuff. You can bet on games before, during, but just not after the game because that would be cheating. And they don't pay cheaters. But it's a great opportunity to make a little side money. And even if you're not really anticipating it, it's just kind of fun. Again, my whole thing is if you got a little side cash, 20 bucks that you're just you're just looking to burn anyways, you're going to go out to the bar, you're going to do whatever. What does it hurt to take the 20 bucks, put it into my bookie, use promo code overtime because they're going to turn that 20 into 40 and you just get to play with it. I didn't win. Yeah, but you had a fun time betting on games, right? It gives you a, a, that extra rooting interest, you know? Like why else would I care about the Broncos game? Why would I possibly care unless I'm rooting for something because I have money on the line? Because if these things hit, I'm going to win a ton of money. And if I don't, oh well. That's how I view it. I don't know. Definitely don't want to uh, build a retirement strategy on it, I wouldn't say. But it's it's just for fun. But again, head over to mybookie.ag. Check out all the, the lineups and all the different parlays that they've got. You can bet on literally everything. Not quite literally, but I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Make sure when you sign up, you use promo code OVERTIME because they're going to double your first deposit. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, we are technically over time right now, but, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do, man. Some days you don't get the nice, long, luxurious shower, you know? In and out while the while the bathroom's still cold. It's miserable, but that's what you get for taking too long to get the podcast started. Deal with it, son. But there's one question I want to address because I've seen it popped up a couple times. Very good question from Cody in the Facebook group. It wasn't really a question. It was a statement, but uh, he asked me to look into it, so I did because I didn't know the answer either, and it sounded reasonable at the time. Um, it says... Uh, Every time we play an elite physical defense, we get pooped on. His words, not mine. Although, probably what I would have picked anyways. If not, show me the analytics, please. Enough excuses. Oh, and it's not just the players, it's the coaching too. So, and I kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday, but it wasn't so much geared at defense. It was more or less the idea that every time we play a good team, we lose. We only beat bad teams, which is is silly. Again, I don't, I don't, I mean we're saying that the Saints and the Vikings and, and the Lions, who again are a bad team but play the, the Packers well, and the Falcons with the top-tier offense, these are all terrible teams, but Tampa Bay is an elite team and that's why we lost. So every time we play an elite team, we're going to lose. It just it doesn't really hold up in my mind, especially considering the magnitude of the wins and the magnitude of the losses. Are we really saying that the teams we've played are that bad and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are that good? I don't think so. I, I think we've listen, and 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 again, this is why I understand where Cody's coming from because I I understand the pain because I've I, we've all experienced it together. My mind immediately goes back to the Buffalo Bills back in whatever year that was, 2014 or something. Which interestingly enough, as I said, and 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 I predicted it, and I'm sure other people did too. When we went up against them, I thought, you know, I feel like we're going to lose this game. The Packers are a very good team. Buffalo is a really bad team, but they had a very good defense. They still lost to basically everybody because their offense was pathetic, but it was just one of those things you went into it and said, man, when we go up against a stiff defense, Aaron Rodgers plays like garbage, and when he does, everything kind of falls apart. And that's exactly what happened against the Buffalo Bills, and we've seen that time and time again. Really stiff defense. They, And it's, well, let me get to the answer here. First of all, the Packers do struggle against really good defenses, more so than teams that don't have really good defenses, for the obvious reason that they're really good defenses. Right? It's it's intuitive, and it's clearly not just something the Packers struggle with. They're a good defense for a reason, because they do good things against other teams' offenses. If they got beat by every other offense except ours, they wouldn't be a really good defense, would they? You see what I'm getting at? It's hard to play good defenses for the same reason it's hard to play really good offenses, for the same reason we would struggle against the Chiefs and the Ravens. Well, every time we play a really good offense like the Chiefs, we lose. Well, yeah, dude, because it's the Chiefs. I mean, I, I wish we were better, but I mean, you get, I mean, come on. So that's number one. Now, it doesn't fully address the collapse, which, you know, it's one thing to lose and have a hard time. It's another thing to just, as a whole team, just collapse. But that's that's number one. Good defenses are hard to beat because it's a really good defense. And it's also, it's, it's, it's also a little bit more hard to watch because 
it's one thing when you lose in a shootout because you didn't quite get that last touchdown because you didn't get the ball last. You know, you needed that one more stop and you couldn't stop them because their offense just rickrolled your. I keep saying rickrolled. That's not the right way to say it, but I like saying it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna steal the meaning, change it from what it actually means, and then keep using it once in a while. <sighs> Rolled over your defense. Anyways, it's it, it, in this case obviously with it's it's a little bit more ugly and hard to watch because you're just watching your offense look like garbage. But then there's just the question of, is that even true? And if it was, you would expect there to be somewhat of a one-to-one correlation, almost somewhat linear in a, in a sense, to the better the defense, the harder the, the, the Packers or the more the Packers struggle. Well, last year, the Minnesota Vikings were fourth, not just in PFF, but also DVOA. They both graded the Vikings defense as the fourth best defense in football. We destroyed the Vikings. The Denver Broncos, another team the Packers beat up on pretty bad, was fifth via PFF defensively. The Chicago Bears, although not the most elite, were 10th via PFF and DVOA. The Packers beat them twice. San Francisco was a very good defense, but again, it's not a matter of every time you face a good defense because we went up against at least, let's see, Minnesota and Chicago is four games. That's that's five games that we won against top 10 defenses. On top of that, the two other ugly losses we had outside of that were the Eagles and the Chargers neither of which had elite defenses. And I know some people, oh, are you kidding me? Look at Bosa. I understand Bosa, but that doesn't make them an elite defense. They're actually kind of a really bad defense. But based on this information, there's no reason to believe that if we go up against a top-tier defense, we're going to lose. That doesn't explain how we beat Minnesota twice, Denver, and the Bears twice. So it's not a predictive thing. You can't look into the future and say, good defense, we're going to lose. You also can't say, bad defense, we're going to win. Because again, the Chargers and the Eagles did not have elite defenses last year. In fact, they graded out 17th and 18th, right next to each other uh, defensively. So below average. Not terrible, but below average. Now, it's true if a, maybe it has to do with the defense coming up with a good defensive game plan, but that's, that could be anybody. You know, when you look at specific matchups the Packers struggle against and, and really good game plans, if it, I mean, that's, that's anybody and anything. That could be an offense against our defense. That could be a defense against our offense. That could be the Packers doing that to another team. That's, that's literally every team against every other team. Sometimes when a team gets beat up real bad, it's just because the coaches came up with a really good game plan that the other coaches were not prepared for, couldn't think their way out of. They tried to make adjustments. It didn't fix anything. It just made it worse. It just it's and, it, and it's just a beating. That happens, and you can't necessarily predict it or see it coming. All you can do is hope that they go back, look at the tape, say, this is what they did to us. we got to make sure that we do this, that, or the other thing. We need to be better. But no, I don't think that it has necessarily anything to do with uh, directly with defenses being really, really good. And again, yes, when a defense is really good, you should be more scared in the same way that every team should be. But it's not true that we can't beat them because they have a good defense. Does that make sense? All right, good, because I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic, I believe it's Friday. It better be Friday or I'm going to cry. I'm just taking off tomorrow if it's not Friday today. It is Friday. Oh, my goodness, I had a heart attack. It is Friday. Y'all have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.